Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. You had to be there, the performance rankings, a slight tangent, and the crappy quiz. Have you ever done therapy, Adrian? Specifically related to the crappy quiz, though. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Time for turn our attention to the Champions League. A 2-0 defeat for Chelsea at the hands of Real Madrid, who uh, look pretty good, but could probably have another couple of gears if they need it. Graham Hunter, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, Jack Rand. Yeah, thanks. Um, before we get into Real Madrid, right, because, uh, you know, there's so many great things to talk about about them. I just do want to get your impression and just the general Spanish impression of what the hell Ted Bowley is doing in charge of a football club. Because every time a story comes out about him, you're like, that can't be true. That can't... That that, but you could literally tell me anything at this stage, and I think I would probably believe it. Jerry, it's it's not like me to oppose you, but listen, which amongst us? It's about glass houses and stones. <laughs> which amongst us hasn't gone out for a midweek lunch with Florentino Perez? Had a couple of glasses too many. Strolled out and told the media we're going to pump Real Madrid three 0 Which amongst us? <laughs> so I think you're being harsh. Well, it's that, and it's the James Corden no, stuff, and it's the 12 aside, and it's the, oh, we're going to be in the Champions League next season, we're always there. Half of those stories probably untrue, but who cares? Never mind explaining it, we don't have the time right now to list the ways in which Todd, Father Todd to you, has has gone completely in the wrong direction. He's rowing one way and everybody else is rowing the other. Um there was a there was a really good visual example of what you're talking about last night at the Bernabeu. Just like in every uh, Champions League match, the, the 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 goalkeepers will come out first. So you'll have this in every stadium, this beautiful big green playing surface laid out with either cones everywhere or balls everywhere, as if they were crop circles, because the players that are coming out have been set up by their their technical staff. And everything's in position for the exercises that they're going to go through in the warm-up. Then gradually, um, both sets of keepers will be out. And then Chelsea came out long before Real Madrid last night. And it was carnage. There were players everywhere. I'm pretty certain I counted 32 footballers. So with all the associated coaches out there, there was a stage when there were 40-plus people on one half of the pitch. And then the reigning Spanish, European and world champions came out and a tiny part of the other half of the pitch was occupied because you only need, um, if you include coaches, about 24 good men in the men's game, not in the women's game, in order to dominate the planet and become the most successful footballing unit around at the moment and on a tot-up basis ever. So... uh, once they were both out, there was a tiny pocket of green space occupied by Roman doing two rondos, and then Chelsea employees everywhere in the other half. And, yeah, I'm a cynic about... No, I'm not a cynic. I'm a critic of the the way in which every club has two book list prices for their players. For the general market that come in, and then they have... A, I know this as a fact... I've been told this directly. They have another list price of when Chelsea comes in. Um, I watched the way in which Arsenal's scouting and, and football direction went awry under Wenger when 
he didn't have the cojones to sack or, or remove or create a hierarchy amongst the, the four different men who all felt they were on equal terms. Um, Dick Best, Steve Rowley, Francis Cagliao. And uh, Arsenal's policy uh, became a mess. Nobody was quite sure who had the final say. There was backbiting in Chelsea. And Chelsea have created a joint um, director of football structure with a technical director above them. So at, at the moment, it doesn't matter too much to Frank Lampard because the market's closed. But in terms of when the next coach comes in, when the permanent coach comes in in the summer, to whom will he feel that he's answerable? The owners, one of the two football directors, the technical director above him, who will tell him that he's answerable to them? In organisations, power struggles emerge. Chelsea have created it. And I'm not, not for one minute am I saying that any of the people that I'm referring to now in this organigram is the Spanish uh, organisational chart. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm not for one second saying that any of them lack, lacks talent. But the structure's wrong. The structure will propagate uh, power battles, communication difficulties in terms of whose word is final, to whom do you report back if you want to ask something, never mind be answerable for performance levels. I, I don't understand because Todd Bowley, remember, is... Um, He's, it's not insignificant what he's invested. It's not insignificant that he was the main driver of a purchase which he, he tried to make in 2019 and finally went through in May 22. There's um, uh, Feliciano, there's Mark Walter, there's uh, Edad uh, Egboli. So that's a mixture between Todd Bowley and, and those who comprise Clear Lake and Mark Walter is a personal friend of, of Todd Bowley. So in terms of, uh, the, I think you were referring to the fact that Todd Bowley is becoming a watchword for uh, sideshow Bob behavior. It's, 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 it's a little bit, much though I respect his, his previous uh, business, entrepreneurial, and indeed emerging sporting success in his own you know, sphere of the world, he's not handling this well. And, it occurs to me that the others who've got serious financial stakes in this project may need to be reviewing whether he is the right one to be the, the front man for the four of them, whether he needs to rein himself in. I bumped into him last night, said, good evening, good luck, thanks very much, very pleasant guy. That's not what you were asking. Um, it's not, in my opinion, going particularly well. And I think they're sowing seeds for... Pretty arid harvests in in the future too. It's funny, Graham. There was, there was one line in your um, uh, latest ESPN piece. I think it was your latest ESPN piece that gave me a, a bit of a giggle when you're talking about Todd Bowley and the the Chelsea owners. You said uh, it's as if the Chelsea owners got hold of Perez's blueprints, spilled several glasses of cheap champagne on them, blasted the damn pages with a hairdryer, turned them upside down, and read them backward. Like is your point that Chelsea are basically a failed Real Madrid? My, my my point is, if it, 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 let's base it on the fact that Todd Bowley has been trying he, his first concrete efforts to buy the club in 2019. That means he must have been thinking about it. You know, you don't make an, an instant decision um, to spend to try and spend a couple of billion on a on a sports project on the other side of the world in a sport you don't know very well. So let's let's say that this this hard idea took seed in his his brain no later than 2018, maybe 2017. You have time to go out, and, and, and at that stage, they must have been readying themselves 
to spend the 600 million euros plus. It, it's it's in, and, and wait, that's purchase price. If we think about the contracts that have been awarded, we won't be very far away from a billion invest and the, and the removal of uh, uh, Marina, the the managing director, Granoskaya, Peter Cech. Listen, those who've invested will not be far uh, short of a billion euros put into this project at the moment. Never mind purchasing the club, which is another couple of billion. Therefore. If you if you want to spend the, the six hundred and twenty million on on player purchases that you've done, there there's a very simple template. So rather than just saying Chelsea are failed with Madrid, they had time to say Florentino Perez has got a similar Galactico idea. Florentino Perez has gone out and with shock and awe tactics, has repeatedly over his quarter century in charge of Real Madrid, spent bucket loads of money on either initially buying the very best senior players in the world or laterally making sure that he has a scouting network and recommendations that allows him to buy the best young players in the world. Militao came at 21, Fede Valverde came at a very young age, uh, Vinicius and Rodrigo came as teenagers, and and, they're the players that will put Chelsea out next week. In the past it was Zidane and it was Figo and it was you know, paying the wages to make sure that they stayed of Raul and Roberto Carlos and Ronaldo Nazario. There were there was a template where it was very, very simple to, to get into a project saying, we've done our homework, we know what Roma did over these last 23 years when they've won five or six Champions League and four or five, I think it's five Champions Leagues and six World Club Championships. And they've been less successful in La Liga, but their trophy hall is 33 in 23 years and you could have gone in in there very easily and said okay these these are the things they've abandoned these are the absolute certainties i'm pretty sure they tried to hire remedies juni califat who is their their principal it it doesn't quite work at remedy and calling somebody a a chief scout juni califat particularly is somewhere between he doesn't carry the, the 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 position brand name he's somewhere between a director of football and a head scout but he's got executive powers because he's so trusted and his record is so good i think chelsea tried to hire him that wasn't enough it didn't succeed they have they have spent real madrid galactical style money in equivalent to you know the early part of florentino perez's reign but they've done it in a in a willy-nilly way they haven't thought about shedding the the bloated numbers that I referred to when I was talking to Jer, they they seem to be doing it in a in a in a shotgun manner. There's nothing rapier like. There's nothing specific uh, uh, about it. They, they for example, they, they didn't buy a centre forward in in the winter market. They've what have they got? Twenty nine goals in thirty games, or it's thirty and thirty one. They're one short of a game, of a goal per game. Um, they they were a little bit shot shy last night. They, they've got Aubameyang on the books. They didn't register him for the Champions League. It's 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 a, it's their money, so boohoo. You know, a lot of people listening to off the ball AM may be saying, but for the health of football, for our respect for never mind Todd Bowley, but for Chelsea Football Club, it it just looks like a complete porridge. It's coming across that way, and uh, there was a, a little bit of that in the performance last night. But actually, you know, it, when. Zhao Felix has the chance in the first minute. Uh, you know, here he is back in Madrid, 
the opportunities is through and if he'd just been in a slightly better goal scoring form or if he was a slightly better goal scorer they could have been 1-0 up and then it's a completely different game and one of the great smashing grabs in world football history is on and maybe if Potter was still the manager that might happen I don't know I don't know maybe them what the whole Frank Lampard thing is just an example of the porridge uh, was there anything in the performance from Real Madrid that gave you some pause to think oof this team isn't quite at the level that it has been in previous seasons when it's won the Champions League Lots of things this season have, have have hinted at that statement. And last night, there's no question that, um, first of all, beyond the, the João Felix um, opportunity, Militao um, patrolled him brilliantly. Started off with a disadvantage, made sure that he ran, to, didn't tackle, didn't jockey, but ran and got to João Felix's left side so that he forced him a little bit right, didn't allow him to cut in, which is what he knew João Felix wanted to do. I thought Militao started from a disadvantage and that early chance did really, really well, after which it was a routine save for Courtois. The save from Sterling was big. The save after um, late on when it was 2-0. There were sufficient indications that Chelsea's game plan had been good. There was absolutely nothing wrong with the way that Chelsea decided to play. Their pressing, their intensity, the way in which they consistently managed to um, originally isolate Alaba and Militao with with Chelsea's two up, which was João Felix and Raheem Sterling. I, I was looking down at Ancelotti, who was consistently roaring at both um, cross to drop as a pivot to help so that it wasn't always 2v2. Two two. This is when Madrid have the ball. So in other words, the idea was that if Chelsea won it, they would consistently be looking to launch beyond. You, you don't want to defend one-on-one or 2v2. Two so Kroos and Camavinga were consistently being yelled at by Ancelotti just to, to, to be more conservative and to make sure that it was always 3v2 while Sterling and Ja Felix were on the pitch. Um, until Chilwell's red card, I thought that Chelsea held threat. After Chilwell's red card, it wasn't simply, as you were hinting, that Real Madrid... Thibaut Courtois said it best afterwards. He said, you know, that it's been a Calvada. We, we've got a thorn in our sides about the fact that we should have added a third or a fourth. I hope we don't regret it uh, next week. They Madrid were less impressive 11 v 10. So we come out of this saying, if you, if you want to use a template as um, Inter's performance at Benfica, Manchester City's performance at home at Bayern Munich, if we want to use a template about any of the ways in which Real Madrid played the return legs against Paris Saint-Germain or the first leg against Chelsea or the second leg against Manchester City last season, then last night's performance by Roman, it comes up short. But they're 2-0 up. They'll enjoy the, the dimensions of the pitch and the atmosphere at the bridge, and I think they'll go through. Um, but Chelsea were in attitude and game plan significantly better last night than I'd expected them to be. And had they been 11 throughout, who knows? Who knows? Uh, I guess we as football fans are really hoping that we're going to see the two legs of Real Madrid versus Manchester City just to see what happens like uh, you know obviously we've seen it before but we get to see it again this time and it feels like Pep is getting some kind of higher level of consciousness of what he needs to do with this group to get them over the line and no better team than Real Madrid over two legs for that to happen yeah, it's a beautiful phrase. I, I write some things in, in my columns and I say some things live, but the higher level of consciousness, man, that's that's very Zen. That's very Buddhist, man. Well done, Grasshopper. You need to walk the earth. I um I think for weeks we've been watching a team that's been making the sound of, of clicking 
and I, my personal opinion is that um, incorporating a new style of play and educating a young man who's phenomenally physically and and football talented in Erling Haaland, but educating him as to the the Chelsea, the Manchester City way, the Pep way, people have been, in my humble opinion, very disrespectful about what that takes. I've watched players consistently, whether it be at Barcelona. Uh, by Munich or City, not really understand, not really get on the wavelength. There's been enormous pressure on um, Manchester City to evolve to having a nine, which they hadn't had for a while. Haaland evolving to the movement, the timing, the ideas of both the team, because that's a living entity around you every time you perform in a competitive way, and and the coach, because he's demanding certain things of you. It's a big, big um, amount of of data to, to, to build into your head and then to, to, to realise every time that you're not doing what you wanted to do, which is largely how, in my opinion, largely how Dortmund allowed him to play. I watched him at Dortmund a lot, um, uh, less at Salzburg, where he was allowed, if he wasn't getting the ball, to drop deep into midfield, be given, demand be given the ball, and then run at teams and, and scare the living crap out of them. That's he, he, The system is different. So, for my taste, City have been interesting and impressive in equal measures in the first half of the season, uh, left behind because Arsenal have been dramatically good. But for weeks now, City have looked as if they're, they've clicked. They've got lots of players who look fresh uh, if physically and mentally. And, and for that reason, again, for weeks, I've been saying, I think City can overhaul Arsenal. I think that they're going to be European champions. I, I I think it'll be them against Real Madrid like you predicted in the semi-final. And I think they'll win. They should have won last time. I think they will win this time. Um, I think they'll win the overall competition. And to be honest with you, I find them intensely, intensely fun uh, to watch. I think I think it's an, another another version. It, 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 it bears all the hallmarks of a pep team, but they're playing differently. Several players are playing almost at the peak of their, their performance, which if you get that in any sport, you know, I missed Sligo Mayo last night, but it, it, it wherever we're talking about, if you get a core group amongst you playing at the peak of your powers, your coaching's done well, your, your managerial style has done well because people are convinced they're buying in and then they're excelling, it feels like they are coming. If, if they don't win it, then I'd love to see who beats them. Love to see who beats them. But I think City will win this tournament. Um, I am. Um, those two-leg semi-finals when we get to see this new-fangled Manchester City defence versus the attacking, the array of attacking talent that um, Real Madrid have is, is, is mouth-watering. I did, before we go, want to ask you about Sevilla and Man United and um, just what level of threat there is for Manchester United in this because, you know, Rashford is out, Casemiro's back, so it swings and roundabouts a little bit in terms of team selection, but obviously they wanted both. Um, this is this is a dangerous, dangerous tie for, for Manchester United. It's the, it's the mystery and beauty of, of the, you know, dance of the seven veils of football. What, what will reveal itself to us? Because Sevilla shouldn't really be in with a chance. They've looked slow and disjointed for the majority of the season. They um, are definitely slow and disjointed in midfield, where Manchester United will have a, a pretty serious upper hand. Um, I, I know that occasionally, you know, for example, away at Newcastle, occasionally on the road, United 
don't necessarily look as powerful as they do when they click at home or when how, how they click. I thought they were magnificent against Barcelona. So much enjoyed watching the the, the mentality and their understanding of Ten Hag's strategy. I, I find again United extremely impressive in terms of how they've changed, how they've developed, and the way in which several players are, are reborn. Rashford being out is obviously statistically a, a major blow. They're 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 not better in every position, man for man, but they are they are significantly better. Sevilla's coach has got no record of, of European football. Did, Sevilla shouldn't have a shouldn't have a prayer, but you know they're stubborn. Um, they they are definitely better without their Argentinian coach Sampaoli, who was like a you know a, 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 a walking personnel own goal. The players couldn't wait to get rid of him. Things have changed. Sevilla can be stubborn. It's down to Manchester United to to, to, to to demonstrate the superiority that we know that they have, not of budget, but of quality. And therefore, it should be Manchester United all day long, but football is, is as we know, completely nuts. Graham, can I just ask you, we got a message in this morning from someone who suggested that uh, Luis Enrique is a man that Spurs should be looking at. You mentioned the, the sheer numbers on the pitch for, for Chelsea in the warm-up last night. Uh, when, when you look at the numbers and the egos involved in that Chelsea dressing room, would Enrique, would Enrique be open to a move to Stamford Bridge? Do you reckon? Can we, um, can we always, if we use his surname, use his surname, which is Martinez, uh, Luis Enrique being his first name? Um, I have to tread extremely carefully here because, um, having talked to him, I know the answer. So let me pretend I haven't said that and suggest to you, yes, yes to Chelsea. I, I, in my opinion, um, not in my opinion, he stated categorically that he wants to coach in the Premier League. His English, which is always a potential barrier for foreigners, is extremely good, and he's been working on um, intensifying his, his the quality of his pronunciation of words. He's gone to detail, not just can I speak English. He's um, he's pretty obsessed by the competitive nature, the tradition of the, the Premier League. There's absolutely no question that he is, A, ready to coach again, B, extremely enthusiastic to do so, C, above any league, him having worked at Roma already and, and won the treble with Football Club Barcelona and coached Spain to a couple of semi, well, a semi-final and final, it's the top end of the Premier League that he wants to go to. He's crystal clear that he will not accept any old project. The two things I can leave you with that are 100% accurate are that he will he will not coach any club where they don't come to him and say, you are the man we want. It's not in the interview process. Convince us. That will come. That can come as part of the discussions. He needs the opening stanza of the discussions to be we understand how you coach we understand what you're like we want you if spurs or chelsea or spurs and chelsea which is my in my opinion potentially where we're at come to him and say that then it will be a battle to see you know which is the better fit which of them want him more which which between the two clubs he, he would choose it's not a, it's not a market without you know competitors there are there are choices for both clubs out there but my impression is that it will now be a little bit of a surprise if Luis Enrique Martinez isn't coaching in the Premier League from June onwards. Um, it, I think it'll be in London. 
and my opinion is that it will be fun and that he'll be a success. That's going to make all our lives a bit more interesting. Uh, Graham, great to have you with us. Thanks a million, sir. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.